0: Support comes from Empower Missouri's Week of Action with in-person and virtual advocacy training for affordable housing, criminal justice, and food security initiatives, March 25th through 28th. Registration at EmpowerMissouri.org WOA.
1: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. Former Illinois State Senator Darren Bailey was the Republican nominee for governor in 2022, and after falling short to incumbent Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker, Bailey is now setting his sights on Illinois' 12th congressional district. Bailey joins us on the latest episode of Politically Speaking to talk about his campaign and why he would be a better Republican standard-bearer than incumbent Congressman Mike Bost. Let's hit the music.
0: This is the Politically
1: Speaking Podcast, an in-depth examination of Missouri and Illinois politics. The instant we got to Illinois, we joined the Green Party. This was 2000.
2: So I've tried to push for those that uh, I think are honest and really care about the future of the city. You know, this wasn't a path that I I thought I would choose in 2012 when I was able to win the closest Republican victory in the nation.
1: If it's something that will, will help Southern Illinois, I'll work with them on it. If there's something he's doing wrong, then you got to fight him on
2: it. I believe very strongly in the Second Amendment. I believe less government is better, and I believe local control is better. I choose to fight for working families and for union members.
1: And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me in studio, he is St. Louis Public Radio's Metro East reporter... Will Bauer. Um, And joining us via the magical device known as Zoom, he is one of the Republicans running to represent Illinois' 12th congressional district.
2: Darren Bailey. Uh,
1: Before we start, uh, Will and I were having this conversation. You are a former state legislator, but you are not a current legislator. Do Do you want to be called senator or representative, or can we just call you Darren throughout this conversation?
2: You calling me Darren would just be great. Yes, I served as a state rep 2019 and 2020 for two years and 2021 and 22 a senator and then obviously the governor candidate in 22. So nope, Darren's my name. That'd be awesome.
1: Why did you decide to get into this race?
2: Well, my wife Cindy and I, we have four children and and now we have uh, 13 grandchildren, and it all started in 2017 when we just had four grandchildren, and and uh, you know our taxes were being uh, currently hiked up, and by and, and I just I, I began to realize how uh, so-called uh, conservative Republicans were compromising their values, and I, I grew frustrated about that, so uh, started doing some research, and and you know how it is as Americans, if you think you can do a better job, you know do it yourself. So that's kind of what, uh, what led me in. I started educating the people in my community, and they responded. They responded enormously to the point they started asking me to you know, run for state rep. So, so we did, and I've learned a lot. Uh, I think the bulk of my movement, my message is, is educating uh, the masses, letting them know that, hey, this is how our government's being run. I don't know about you. I'm not happy with it and I'm going to speak up for something different, and people are responding. So, essentially, that's been our journey uh, to this point. Uh, I went back to the farm after the governor's race uh, with my three sons, Bailey Family Farm, and uh, I just, I came home one day in March, and and I told my wife that uh, there's just something missing here. I'm not, uh, I I didn't, I wasn't ready to go back to the farm, but, uh, you know, of course I would, but I felt like there was still more work to do. So, our family and I, we, we, in our church, we prayed, we fasted, and we believed that we still have work to do in the field of government. So, I felt that the journey to Springfield, that I had accomplished my purpose there, that, you know, Republicans are in the super minority. And unfortunately, I don't see that turning around anytime soon. So, you know, I, I think I elevated a movement to get people involved here in Illinois uh, for local and state races. But then I began to look at the federal side. OK, if we if we truly believe we're called to government, what does that mean? Uh, started researching uh, my congressman and I found some I found some uh, I found some, uh, you know, voting voter. Uh, grading sites. I ran across one in particular, uh, conservativereview.com, and and of our three Republican legislators, I I found Mary Miller. Uh, She was up there about ranked 17 out of 283. She had a 97% uh, uh, conservative score, uh, A+. I I went down the list, and and down about uh, uh, 110 or so, I found Darren LaHood, He had a C minus, a 72 percent voting record. And, you know, I I that that didn't really make me happy. But I thought, you know, I I would I wouldn't challenge that. That's that's you know, he's he's uh, doing what he needs to do. I wished he was more conservative. But but when I when I went to uh, my representative here in southern Illinois, the southern third and saw a 50 percent voter uh, grading scale, F minus, I honestly I was shocked. Uh, so I began to research that for the last uh, uh, nine years that uh, my opponent has been a congressman. I, I began to look at the votes that, that earned him this uh, F failing grade. And what? And what again, which organization
1: was did – what, what, what is this organization that was grading him, just just before you continue?
2: There are several of them. Conser- so conservativereview.com, and then there's heritageaction.com. Uh, those are uh, those are two that grade the entire term, and you know it has the word conservative in it, but that doesn't necessarily make it a a Republican, you know, a, a conservative like we think it organization. They grade bills based on, uh, our, you know, our finances, our freedom, family, faith, the things that they believe are making life more burdensome. On, uh, on, 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 we the people. So it really is a pretty powerful tool to use to look up any congressperson and see what they're, how they've been voting. And, and I think when people do that and begin to educate themselves, like I've done, you begin to realize why life as an American is uh, becoming, you know, more constrained and more burdensome.
0: A, a big part of this race is how, is, is your comparison right? between Mike Boss being maybe the establishment Republican, the Washington insider who wears a three piece suit versus you who's the fresh set of eyes, not in the swamp, as you would say. So I guess my question is, how do you think that you know his experience and your fresh set of eyes or however you would phrase it will benefit you in this race for the 12th congressional district?
2: The biggest thing that I witnessed at four years in Springfield was that uh, people would show up uh, a a new, uh, you know, in a new position and they immediately go into this mindset of what I need to do to get reelected. And obviously every decision that you make as an elected official, you know, you're, you're making someone irritated. You're not making everyone happy. So, so there comes in this, this idea of compromise and I, and I get it. We, we must work together But as a Republican and as a conservative Republican, I cannot compromise my values. Yet I see someone like Mike Bost who's compromised himself uh, immensely over his last 10 years as a congressman and even 20 years prior to that as a state representative. So letting people know that, hey, you know what, if a farmer uh, from southern Illinois uh, can be, by the grace of God, Elevated to be the Republican nominee for governor, you can do anything, and not only that, but I have stuck my neck out continually for the people, you know, letting them know that hey, you have a voice. I'm going to be your voice. You know, it's gun registration. You don't have anything to fear about this, and oh by the way, I'm going to prove to you that you don't have anything to fear. So I, you know, I I, I, I get on Facebook and social media, and I, I show showed J.B. Presker my uh, my guns, and I say hey these are not registered, nor are they ever going to be registered. What are you going to do about it? Because I know the law is unconstitutional. I know that it can't be upheld, and but I know that it's just, you know, striking fear into people. I, I realized that whenever he started closing down businesses, uh, you know, off the heels of COVID and being a state representative, my office, my phones were flooded by businesses all over the state. Uh, men and women scared to death, concerned because they were told that they must close their doors with no answer as to how they were to pay their next utility bill and, and mortgage. And, and, and as a matter of fact, the restaurants, what they were going to do with a, with a refrigerator full of fresh produce. So, you know, I sued J.B. Pritzker and began won that lawsuit, began to give people hope, say, hey, oh, we're Americans. Open your doggone businesses back up. There's no law that told you to close. Use common sense here and do what you need to do. So that is, I think, the epitome of my uh, for the last four years in Springfield and, and the run for governor is to just let people know that hey, you've got someone like you here fighting, wanting to make a change for our family, and it's it's about my children, it's about my grandchildren, it's about our future, and and I think people are responding to that, and and I and and no one. I mean, nine times out of ten, when you hear somebody mention our congressman's name, they, they don't even pronounce his last name correctly. So that tells me that he, he hasn't been representing the people well, because when you represent the people, you're among the people. It's not about going to Springfield or D.C. and passing more laws. It's about being boots on the ground to help them through this burdensome of, of, of large and, and obese government that uh, you know continually just just pushes at every angle and nook and cranny of life and we're tired of it. And I've heard Mike boss
0: joke that you two both largely agree on the issues and it wouldn't make for a very good debate. And so I guess maybe besides the the, the difference in experience and fresh head of eyes and you know you being more willing to not compromise your values versus him maybe being more willing to compromise. <clears throat> is there any other way that you two are noticeably different from each other
2: we're different almost in every doggone aspect there is i would love to debate that man i'm going to tell you that right now if anybody he refuses to debate because i will bring to the table uh, the fact that uh, you know uh, he says that uh, he says he's pro-life yet why does he continue to vote for the national budget that gives a half a billion dollars to planned parenthood he says he's pro-life but Why does he give, um, uh, why on earth would he allow the RU486 pill to be given, you know, freely across all of our military bases? Uh, He says he stands for the people, but uh, he says he he protects our veterans. Why on earth would he uh, be the last person only as of a year ago to lift the vaccine mandates off of our active military personnel? I just got back from the border. Uh, This man says that uh, now, now all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, let's not forget that he was a congressman, the four years of President Trump, yet you've never really heard him say anything about illegal immigration and the wall. Matter of fact, I've got him on video on AmnestyMike.com stating that, you know, he doesn't really want to call Trump's wall the wall because he just doesn't like the sound of that. This man voted multiple times for amnesty for millions of illegal aliens, and, and I stand against that nonsense. My question is, why? Matter of fact, he is the co-chair to what's called the Main Street Caucus. Uh, you know, I, I, I love the work that the House Freedom Caucus is doing. They're obviously the conservative minority within the Republicans. But even within the Main Street caucuses talking points, uh, they tell you that immigration is not really on their radar. They have five pillars, and they have refused to change those pillars. They say there's a left ditch and there's a right ditch, and they like to stay right in the middle. And and I contend wholeheartedly that without that conservative voice, that, that Republican platform that I personally adhere to and believe has many of the answers to our problems today, without that voice, Uh, You're just uh, you're just a resounding gong. And that is exactly what Mike Bost has been for 30 years now. And uh, so, no, there's a lot that separates us. You can say something, but then your fruit and your actions, uh, they indeed prove uh, who you are and what you are. And unfortunately, uh, his talk is not backed up by his walk.
0: I wanted to um, maybe bring it in a little more locally, specifically to, to the region, the Metro East um, specifically. Um, so I wanted to ask you about Scott Air Force Base and kind of the surrounding military families that are a big part of the district in, in this neck of the woods. Um, so I guess the question is, ha- have you made an attempt to you know, reach and campaign um, with veterans specifically in the area? And if so, how have you approached campaigning there?
2: Oh, I have. And as a matter of fact, many, many veterans have actually reached out to me. I have visited several retired veterans from actually Scott Air Force Base, people that uh, uh, were born and raised outside of Illinois that found their home in the Metro East after, uh, after serving in Scott and retiring from there. And, and I will tell you, uh, I have there are several Democrats who have reached out to me? I was meeting. I went to one apartment building in O'Fallon just a, two weeks ago, and, and he wanted to just he wanted me to come and, and ask some questions. And and upon leaving here, yeah, I was you know he he and he doesn't necessarily agree with me on much of anything other than the fact that they're fed up with uh, the, the 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 promises that were made and uh, are being failed to be kept. Uh, and upon leaving that interview, that time with him, uh, you know, I was informed that this would be the first time that he'd ever be voting in a Republican primary in his entire life because uh, uh, he found hope in my message. I have every, every time we're uh, out and about, I have veterans bringing me uh, copies of their prescriptions, um, Korean veterans, Vietnam veterans who are, you know, they're scared because they've been told— that they were going to be taken care of and uh, i mean this ranges from from career military personnel to, to you know to someone who served a, a tour in vietnam to someone who served you know their four years uh, you know even as of recently but yet um, they're finding nothing but heartache and frustration uh, within our va system and the va system is You know, it's it's held captive to what DC allows it to do, and and here you've got a veteran himself who's served for the last now ten years on the VA committee, last two years as its chair, and has you know found out with the rest of us in December that the VA committee is actually uh, some of some of their money is going to process illegal aliens. I mean, um, that that is so sad. we're, we're doing this when we're not even taking care of our own veterans. Uh, something's wrong. So again, the talk is simply not being matched with the walk. Uh, I mean, it's obvious. So yes, I, uh, gosh, three weeks ago, I earned the endorsement of Veterans for America First, otherwise known as uh, Veterans for Trump. Um, when they called me and, and wanted to do a formal interview, I kind of I told them, I said, well, what's this really about because, you know, many organizations, as long as 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 long as an incumbent votes with them 80% of the time, they just automatically endorse them and they said, sir, uh, we've, uh, we've had it with the chair of the VA committee. This man hasn't been living up to his promises or is to his word and uh, I earned their endorsement because of that.
1: I, I want to talk about some of the issues that have been top of mind in Congress recently um, and I want to split up the the, the, the bill um, regarding immigration Ukraine and Israel kind of separately, because I'm going to guess you're not in favor of the immigration part, is it based off your, well, your comments. Is, is that, I love is the that way true? you
2: said that. That is correct. I love the way you said that about splitting these up. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight like crazy for single-issue bills. This nonsense of of tying everything together and amending a bill and, and shoving. I witnessed that in Springfield when when the opposing side, when the Republicans, we just had the one hour to view a bill after it had been amended. And in and, and many cases, amend, amending meant full gut and replace. And and I know there's a little more time uh, than that out in D.C., but I also realize the bills are much, much more complex. So, Uh, We need single-issue bills, first of all, instead of uh, combining all of this uh, stuff together. Mm
1: -hmm. So I want to ask you actually about Ukraine funding, because with this multi-tiered bill looking like it's on the verge of collapse, it's looking perhaps more likely that maybe the Congress will just vote up or down on Ukraine funding. What's kind of your view on continued uh, military assistance to Ukraine as it tries to repel this invasion from Russia?
2: Well, unfortunately, I think we've seen too much proof that there's too much uh, fraud going on. There's zero, zero accountability. And without any accountability, with, with our border still being open and we are actually having an invasion here in our own home front, uh, my pr- first priority, number one priority, should have been done years ago. Number one priority is closing our border and uh, making sure that we are secure with the millions, millions of people who have come undocumented aliens who have come into our country. We have got to secure ourselves first because we have no idea who these people are. We have, we know, we you know, we know many times on, on you know ages that we have fighting, fighting age young men coming across these borders, no documentation. So that is that is first and foremost the priority. And until we secure that, uh, everything else is off the table.
1: Okay, so I've heard some arguments and I want to just be transparent, as I always am here. Like, I'm half Ukrainian, so I've probably been paying attention to that conflict more than most people. But I I I don't think what you just said is invalid at all. But I do want to ask about this argument that we shouldn't fund Ukraine because of corruption. Yet a lot of Republicans are willing to send money to Israel, even though their prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, is literally on trial for corruption. So what do you kind of make of that argument that we shouldn't send money to Israel either because their government and the head of their government has shown that he is not on the up and up either?
2: Well, as far as, you know, it's kind of let's throw in this whole drama and debacle with President Trump. There can be, you know, there can be talk, there can be charges, but until something, until someone is actually, and, 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 until they are found guilty uh, by a court, uh, that's, that's when the rubber's going to hit the road there. But, uh, you know, uh, biblically, I believe that, uh, you know, those that uh, uh, bless Israel will in turn be blessed. I believe that. However, the days of just sending supplies, money, equipment, whatever without any accountability i think we found out that uh, those are over you know I, i'm a i'm a farmer and and i'm telling you what you know we had a pretty tough year in clay county with our yields and farming is, has its ups and downs and and it's interesting because when times are good uh, you you enjoy life a little bit better you, you spend money in places that you might not normal but then when when you have tough years you have to back up and you have to take a uh, you know, a second look at everything, and 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 not only does that mean that you just are going to tighten up for that year, but sometimes you realize that, gosh, I, uh, I might have been a little more frivolous with some of my spending than I should have been, and maybe in years ahead I need to do that a little bit differently. And I think that is exactly how the American people uh, want their tax dollars and their resources spent. You know, let's face it: if we keep throwing trillions. Uh, you know, towards, you know, across the world, uh, I think it's obvious that our military right now, uh, I think we're, you know, we're undermanned. And and some of that is, uh, you know, due to uh, Mike Boss's inability to to stand up and protect the men and women on our bases and and demand that they be vaccinated when they didn't want to be. And many of them left. So now here we are, we find ourselves, uh, I'm going to say, in danger as a nation. Our, our military is strung thin. Uh, we don't have what we need. We've been giving away. Um, we've been giving away uh, much of our resources, and and let's not to mention the whole debacle that took place with the uh, disaster, the Biden disaster, of uh, leaving all the stuff that we left in Afghanistan. So. We've got some serious problems here on our home front, and we have got to acknowledge that, we've got to deal with it, we've got to get healthy at home, and then we can uh, take a look, take a new fresh look at the needs across the world.
1: So we have one more question that Will has about Donald Trump, and then we'll let you go.
0: I am curious, Trump is a big factor in this race, when it was the last time that you spoke to the former president, and what did you talk about? And maybe a third part to this question, excuse the long question, are you anticipating him to endorse in this race?
2: So I spoke to him one week before Christmas. Uh, yes, we did talk about the endorsement. Um, he is uh, we, we are definitely on his radar. I do have hopes that I will receive his endorsement at this uh, even a late hour before uh, March 19th. Um, you know, he's a smart man, and it's interesting while talking to him, uh, you know, I have to continue to remind him that uh, Mike Boss was a congressman the four years that he was president, and he doesn't have a lot of, lot of fruit to show from that. So um, not only that, but, uh, you know, here we go again. Words matching the walk. Mike Boss says that uh, he's always supported Trump. Well, that's not true. Mike Bost is on record supporting John Kasich uh, in 2016, you know, the first never-Trumper, ironically. Uh, Upon John Kasich losing, Mike Bost is on record uh, boycotting the Republican convention. It's interesting this year that uh, Mike Bost fought tooth and nail to keep me off as a delegate and it was the Trump team themselves that actually intervened to allow me to be a delegate since I was the, endorsed a Republican uh, uh, nominee in 2022. Uh, but this is the first year that Mike Bost has ever served in any you know, official capacity, say, as a delegate for President Trump. In 2020, uh, 2020 I was an alternate delegate. And I discovered that uh, as a sitting congressperson, all they have to do is say, I want to be a delegate for whatever campaign. And they are automatically put on as a delegate. Yeah, I find it ironic that uh, Mike Bost was not uh, nowhere to be seen in 2020. 2020. And when President Trump came to, uh, came to Illinois to endorse Mary Miller and myself uh, in June of 2022, Mike Boss was nowhere to be seen. I mean, you you just let's think about that. Uh, Why on earth wouldn't he have come? That was a wonderful day for. uh, That was a great day for Illinois, but but no Mike Boss. So I think it's very important to to realize again that the proof that, um, um, you know, yeah, I think that's very important to realize that uh, it's again his. Talk does not match his walk, and to sit here and, and to have supported initially the first never trumper, I think that speaks volumes. And I don't believe Mike Bosty's kind of an opportunist. To wherever the winds blow, I mean, right now our district is being flooded with mailings. Uh, right now, just just five weeks away from uh, outside of uh, elections. Here on the state side, I think there was kind of a moratorium of 90 days, and you couldn't you couldn't send any. Uh, articles out, you know, that's paid for by the state, millions of dollars have been spent uh, on advertising that goes out and says uh, paid for by, you know, the U.S. House of Representatives. That is tax dollars, you know, just as as a representative. We represent everybody, but to sit here and receive a mailer like I received yesterday talking about the, uh, you know, the terrible liberals and, and they are paying for part of that. It's not coming out of from campaign money. It's coming from the tax dollars. I think that's wrong, and that needs to be stopped. So, uh, no, uh, our polling has us winning. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Boston knows that. I think he's desperate. I think he's grasping for straws, but I truly believe his time is up. He's served, and people, uh, there's no fruit of it. And I, I look forward to being the uh, Republican nominee on uh, March 19th.
1: Well, Darren, thank you very much for joining our show, and we will also be talking with Congressman Mike Bost so you can listen for yourself All right. and make that decision. Politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Before we let you go, Darren, uh, is there a website or any social media that you wanna, you wanna just mention to learn more about your campaign?
2: Absolutely, baileyforillinois.com is, uh, is our main website. Uh, I have my uh, Facebook page. It's Darren Bailey, the certified page. That's where we get a, uh, put out a lot of our message. Um, we're also on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, I do want to mention I'm not sure what time this publication is coming out, but Matt Gates is coming in on February 16th and Marion, Illinois for an endorsement. We've just released that yesterday. And uh, we also have other sites. We've got amnestymike.com out there that really tells the truth. Uh, when he says, meth- m- m- every, every time, every time, every time I've mentioned something, uh, Mike has said, no, I didn't say that, I didn't do that. But this website is uh, very detailed, has everything on it that, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's proven when his walk hasn't or his talk hasn't matched his walk. So,
1: Until next time, so long. Politically Speaking is produced by Sarah Kellogg, Rachel Lippman, and me, Jason Rosenbaum. The show is edited by Fred Ehrlich. Read all of our coverage at stlpr.org. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Politically Speaking by searching the term Politically Speaking on Apple Podcasts.
2: If you have a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio.